Uh, hey everybody, it's uh, Callum or Sita. You can call me either, I don't mind. And uh, I guess the classic thing to do first is to explain what this even is. Basically, I'm a follower of uh, Buddhist Hinduism and Thai spirituality. But um, I'm very reclusive and unstructured. This podcast is basically just going to be a rambling regarding different topics such as metaphysics, spirituality, Buddhism, and all that jazz. And I just kind of want to get all this brain noise out there, so I thought, what better way to do it than make it public? So first of all, I want to talk about is one of the most basic and easy Buddhist scriptures. I guess it's easy because it's somewhat poetic and artful, and it's a lot easier to read than a science essay that is kind of straightforwardly complicated like a law it's too formatic and it's not it's not artful science science essays aren't artful if you find them artful good for you but they're not i'm sorry but the buddha speaks poetically so the first scripture i'm going to talk about is the dhammapada specifically the uh, twin verses the first segment which makes me ponder how a man who sat under a tree can grasp a better understanding of humanity than the so-called establishment and authority figures that we apparently have to look up to today. Anyway, the first line goes, his first opening segment is, All that we are is the result of what we have thought. We are formed and moulded by our thoughts. Those whose minds are shaped by selfish thoughts cause misery, when they speak or act, sorrow rolls over them, as the wheel of a cart rolls over the tracks of the bullock that draws it. All that we are is the result of what we are thought. We have formed and moulded by our thoughts. Those whose minds are shaped by selfless thoughts give joy whenever they speak or act. Joy follows them like a shadow that never leaves them. Um, sorry I made a few mistakes there. I hate um, reading something out loud. I like kind of freestyling as I go, so kind of reading quotes is a bit hard for me, so please bear with me there. <clears throat> anyway, I can already say that this speaks volumes. I mean, have you noticed people that think about negative things draw more negativity to themselves, especially those who like to promote violence, war, uh, dividing, um, just that negative stuff they get more negative things back to them, especially these days in a world where social media is a big, big, big medium. We can, you know, shout at people more. And if they're going to be negative, they're going to get more negativity that way, as well as more negativity in their lives in general, especially health problems. I mean, if you think negativity, negativity, sorry, we will... You know, our body will as well. We will react to that. And we can just attract more negative situations in our life because of our negative self, the ego. You see, if we spoke about love and compassion and focus on the thoughts of joy, we'd have happy thoughts. You know, we'd focus on the happy things. And if we had those happy things in advertising, you know, love and light and advertising, instead of be this way, be that way, accept this, accept that, or war, angry, angry. Yes, we should talk about those things, but we shouldn't talk them in about them in such an angry way, like to cause it. We need to 
solve it in a non-conflicting way with love and compassion. The Buddha then goes on to say, He insulted me, he struck me, he cheated me, he robbed me. Those caught in resentful thoughts never find peace. He insulted me, he struck me, he cheated me, he robbed me. Those who give up on resentful thoughts surely find peace. Here we go again. This is something that's a bit ironic for me because I suffer with a lot of anxiety and depression and I dwell a lot on the past and think a lot about the future and imagine scenarios. Scenarios that most likely won't happen, but that's what depression and anxiety does to people. It makes you dwell on the past. Think about the future. So if you think about situations like he robbed me, insulted me, things in the past like that, if we dwell on them instead of learn from them, progress from them, then we're going to stuck, be stuck with the negativity from them. And we need to focus on the good things under our noses in the now. The being here now is very popular lately from Ramdas. Being here now is very, very important because a lot of people walk around in the head thinking about yesterday and tomorrow, but the only day is now. The Buddha then sums it up with this, with, for hatred does not cease by hatred at any time. Hatred ceases by love. This is the unalterable law. This is probably one of the most truest things he says, and it's one of my favorite quotes, because love is so, so powerful. As co-creators, all of us around the globe, co-creators of this universe, we create this beautiful, beautiful reality on Earth. And we ignore the love a lot of us do now. Now, I say now, and the history, we always kind of strayed away from the good things. There's a lot of things that are glorified are the wars and the fighting and stuff. So we need to focus on the love, the good things, the celebration. We need to celebrate every single day and to spread compassion and love. I could go on about love, but I'm going to sound hippy-dippy. Love is the key. It is the key to it all. If you look at Egyptian mythology, they have the ankh, which is life. But the secret to say ankh is love. Ankh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, crow creator. Ankh, thank you. That's what love is. Love is the key to life. The Buddha then carries on and goes, There are those who forget that death will come to all. For those who remember, quarrels come to an end. We're not, when we die, we don't die forever in a sense that we know in this reality. But the quarrels we have as the character we play, okay, the missions are complete when we die. Hatred only sticks around when you're gone. It's just it's just a quarrel. It was all bullshit. So why bother spreading negativity? Just make love and make life easier for those around you and yourself. Fuck the people that promote wars and promote dividing, okay? Because that's just going to cause people to die quicker. And it's just going to cause people to have worse lives. We want better lives. We want to live to how long we want to live to and have a good life. We all deserve that. We all deserve that as human beings. Okay. The Buddha then goes on. Those who live only for pleasure, who eat intemperately, who 
who are lazy and weak and lack control over their senses are like a tree with shallow roots. As a strong wind uproots such a tree, Mara, the tempter, will throw such a person down. But those who live without looking for pleasure, who eat temperately, control their senses, who are persevering and firm in faith are like a mountain. As a strong wind cannot uproot a mountain, Mara cannot throw such a person down. When the Buddha speaks about laziness, he doesn't talk about your average Joe, you know, watches Game of Thrones on his, I don't even know what night, Mondays? I think so. Sorry guys, I haven't caught up. Um, The average person, he doesn't talk about that, it's the laziness of people that ignore things, the reality of life, the love of life. They ignore the good that they can do, they ignore the suffering of those around them, and they don't do anything. People with authority who lazily use their power, stuff like that. Mara, the devil character in the Buddha's life, he will trick these egotistical people because it's so easy to get in with what pleasures and stuff they want, the temptations. Okay, and when they're distracted by the temptations, they become lazy lazy from the reality of love and compassion and they stray away from it just look at a lot of politicians a lot of them they say good things at the start and then they get the power and then what happens yeah we get we know what happens history repeats itself history repeats itself every single day when we look at news there is a new war a new dictator a new idiot on the news spouting racist or egocentric nonsense you know we repeat history every single day but it goes on whoever puts on the saffron robe but is self-willed speaks untruthfully and lacks self-control is not worthy of that sacred garment He's incredibly right. If you put on a uniform and you do not live up to that uniform, are you worthy of it? If you put on police officer's uniform and you're not a good police officer, you're a crook, you know, you're swindling, you're doing money on the side, you're a bent cop, as they say. You don't deserve the uniform. If you're a doctor that, you know, like Dr. Mengele, who used his authority as a doctor to do hideous things to people, uh, politicians. Um, do I need to say any more? I think most mainstream politicians have a good notoriety of wearing their uniform and then spouting a whole bunch of bullshit. Yeah, that's a very, very prominent thing in modern society today. If you can't wear the uniform, are you worthy of it? If a monk is not dedicated to the truth of enlightenment, the Dharma, the love, the light, if he's just going to wear those robes for egotistical values, he's not worthy of it. The Buddha goes on. But those who have vanquished self-will, who speak the truth and have mastered themselves, are firmly established on the spiritual path and worthy of the saffron robe. If you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a policeman, if you're going to be a politician, be the best doctor, policeman, politician you can be. Be the best of that uniform that you can be for the sake of eliminating suffering and promoting love just be the best person you can be actually it doesn't even matter about the uniform okay but if you are going to wear some kind of authority live up to it don't bullshit people we're fed up with it 
And then the Buddha goes on. The deluded, imagining trivial things to be vital to life, follow their vain fancies, and never attain the highest knowledge. But the wise, knowing what is trivial and what is vital, set their thoughts on the supreme goal and attain highest knowledge. Okay, so in the beginning, you know, people following their vain fancies, as the Buddha said. You know, if you're just going to follow what fancies, you know, your egotistical tastes, your pleasures, if, you, if you've spent your life just doing that, you won't, you're not going to live very long and you're not going to be, end up in a very good place. If you just follow the ego, it's just going to send you down a rabbit hole of pain and suffering. So, you know, then do what the wise man does, okay? Study, learn, not not from scores per se, but the mind, yourself, understand who you truly are. Gain the highest knowledge of love and light and connection and understanding and that we are all co-creator and God. If you understand that, then you're going to love everyone. You know, you're God. They're God. We're all equal. We're all on the same cycle of life. Having similar experiences, individual experiences, but it's all connected. As rain seeps through a poorly thatched roof, passion seeps into the untrained mind. As rain cannot seep through a well-thatched roof, passion cannot seep into a well-trained mind. We need to, you know, progress our body and our mind. In the past, a lot of self-care and progressing was very masculine and macho, especially in the Western world. Fighters and warriors, and training the body to be strong. You know, that's cool, but, you know, if you've not got a strong mind as well, you're pretty worthless. You could get taken down by the smartest man in the world, no matter how big you are. People need to train their mind more, and I'm glad that it is somewhat of a fashion now to, you know, meditate mindfulness. We see meditation and mindfulness, those key words in the news, so much more which is a very, very good thing. I mean, I don't like that it's a fashion, because it should be the norm. I hope it does become a norm. But I'm glad we are exploring the mind as well as the body. <clears throat> the Buddha then goes on. Is those who are selfish suffer here and suffer there. They suffer wherever they go. They suffer and fret over the damage they have done. But those who are selfless rejoice here and rejoice there. They rejoice wherever they go. They rejoice and delight in the good they have done. What this basically means, if we surrender to the fact that we are alive, if we surrender to the truth of love and light and the connectivity of everything there is, just go look in nature, it's all subtly connected. It's very, very simple, very subtle, but it's very obvious at the same time. If we surrender to the fact we can rejoice in life. We understand, yes, we'll die, but it's not the end end. Then we can explore and love life and have adventures, and we need that more. Instead of just focusing on the suffering, we need to be aware of it, learn from it, fix it, and move on. The selfish person suffers here, and he suffers there. He suffers wherever he goes. He suffers as he broods over the damage he has done. He suffers more and more as he travels along the path of sorrow. The selfish person is happy here. Sorry, the selfless person is happy here, and he is happy there. He is happy wherever he goes. 
He is happy when he thinks of the good he has done. He grows in the happiness and he progresses along the path of bliss. Doesn't this just fur along my past point? If we do good things and we spread happiness, then others may spread happiness and it could be a ripple into the ocean and create a tidal wave of just fucking amazing compassion. Can we have that, please? I need that already. Yeah, stop being selfish. Understand that things that you do can impact others. Don't be completely selfless because without the ego, sometimes our survival mechanisms, you know, some can't cope. We give up, you know, we understand selflessness and we give too much away and we don't focus on ourselves. So we need a good balance of selfishness and selflessness. More on the selflessness side, though. Those who recite many scriptures but do not practice their teachings are like a cowherd counting another's cow. They do not share in the joys of spiritual life. This goes along with a saffron robe. If you don't practice what you preach, then what good are you? You know, you're a liar. You wear a uniform and you don't practice what you preach. The Buddha then goes on and says, But those who may know few scriptures but practice their teachings, who overcome all lust, hatred and delusion, live with pure minds in the highest wisdom. They stand without external supports and share the joys of spiritual life. See, you could read the whole of the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, any religious scripture, but then... If you understand the small little bits of scripture, small phrases like how God meant to create us all in his image, the answers are there. Look at it. If we're in God's image, we are then pretty much God. Okay, we are equal to God. Some of you will not want to believe that, sadly. I believe that to be true. And I hope we can understand that more thoroughly in the future as more people open up and delve into that. So, yeah, please, people like me or anyone else on a religious path who speaks out, fully practice what you preach. Yes, we've all had bad paths, but evolve, continue to get better. Everyone needs to be a better person and progress. Follow the little bit of scriptures that you know. All you need is little bits. Too much can be too much. You get overwhelmed. Recite the whole Bible. Recite the whole Bhagavad Gita. Well done. Okay, it's good to recite it, but if you don't understand it, it's worthless. I mean, that's my rant for today, everyone. All I want to do today is kind of get you introduced to the format and the way I talk and the way I rant. And again, this is kind of like an open diary. I just hope that we can all love and understand and listen to each other a lot more and stop fighting and finally have a little bit more love in this world. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, I'll make a new episode soon. Bye.